This is Sandy Krakowski and welcome to A Real Change. This episode of the A Real Change podcast is sponsored by Dry Farm Wines. Now, you've got to hear this. I, because of gut health and other things and trying to keep my 56-year-old body lean and strong, stopped drinking wine a couple years ago because the sugar just kept messing me up and all of my efforts. And then I found Dry Farm Wines. Okay, these are lower sulfites, lower alcohol, sugar-free grown organically and biodynamically and to be honest with you what does all that mean it means it's paleo and keto friendly it means it's low carb friendly it means i can now drink wine and not have my gut get upset i can now drink wine and not have all my diet efforts be ruined you guys have to try dry farm wines and i've got a great offer for you where you actually can get a bottle when you order a bottle for just a penny my personal favorite happens to be the rosé and the red but they have so many different selections including sparkling you've got to check it out so go to dryfarmwines.com forward slash a real change for your penny bottle offer and remember dry farm wines makes it funner to not only drink wine but you actually can do it without the guilt dryfarmwines.com forward slash a real change for your penny bottle offer This podcast episode is not only for those who are homeschooling or home educating their children, it's for those who are using online school, working with their teachers in a virtual environment. I believe it's really going to help everybody, no matter what way you have chosen or are in, in currently educating your children from home to help you to build a better schedule, be comfortable with the priorities that you've chosen, and be able to create an environment where your children love learning. So let's jump in. Hey, you guys, I'm so excited about this episode. I like, I don't know that I've been this excited about any episode prior to this. And the crazy thing is, I never would have thought even a year ago that I would be talking about this topic. So let's jump in. It is titled Homeschooling and Working at Home, but what I want to challenge you with initially is to absolutely abolish, get rid of, let's destroy, and let's reinvent something. Rather than it's homeschooling, I want to call it home grooming, home educating. So we're in this crazy time where Corona the hoe of the virus <laughs> is changing all of our lives. And many of you have not by choice, <laughs> not by desire, have been thrust into this situation where now you're working at home and you're schooling your children and everybody's under one roof and everybody's driving everybody crazy. I totally understand. I started my very first business 26 years ago online and I, you could say, was a bit of an overachiever. I also started homeschooling my son even prior to that. So in my first year of building my very first business, where I had made $35,000 my first year and a million my second year, I was figuring out how to continue home educating him 
Jeremy, that's my oldest right here, who now runs his own marketing business. I've got a picture behind me. If you can't see it on the audio, make sure you run over to YouTube because you're going to see my beautiful family. And by the time we were in a couple years, I had Justin and Bobby as well. Obviously, Justin and Bobby were very little and they were, you know, crawling around my ankles and <laughs> into everything when I was first schooling Jeremy. And I quickly had to figure out what the hell are my priorities? <laughs> you know, everybody had a list of what my priorities should be. The school system had a list of how schools should be done. Uh, families and friends whose kids were not home educated had a list of what they thought I should be doing. It's very fascinating to me how just when you start working from home, everyone has an, a, just a plethora of opinions of what you should be doing. But oh my God, now, then you home educate your children. You're one of those. So the first thing I want you to do is celebrate. <laughs> you are not one of those. You are doing what everybody else is doing. But what's cool is I want to give you some courage, kind of give you a few tips and strategies that worked for me. I homeschooled and home educated all of my sons, K through 12, and I lived to talk about it. <laughs> so did they. There were many days that I threatened to get on the bus and leave them at home. <laughs> I was going to get on the school bus and get the heck out of there. But the first thing that I had to learn, we had to learn as a family unit is what is going to be our goal for this year in schooling? I don't know where this idea comes from with parents, you know, especially those of us who take parenting very serious and those of us who groom our children very intentionally for success, that we feel like we have to have it figured out all ahead of time. Like K through 12 has to be figured out by the time they're in kindergarten. Let me just break it to you that you do not have to figure out what your children are going to be doing next year. You don't even have to figure out what your children are going to be doing next quarter. Something that might be surprising to you that I learned after the fact from a lot of friends who are teachers, a lot of the school system and teachers and the curriculums, they don't set everything in order like for the whole year. They have a basic understanding of what they need to cover, but then they also go with the flow in some of the things and also leave an opportunity for them to do random things to keep things exciting. So one of the, the big keys that I would say to parents is that you don't have to have it all mapped out. That's not going to give you more confidence or security. What I want you to do is focus on the next six months and what is your priority? What is the most important thing? After over 26 years in business and well over 20 years of homeschooling all of my sons, I will tell you that your very first priority is the security and safety of your child. For your child to learn well and to process the information that they are getting and to assimilate it, to make it their own. Because unfortunately, traditional education is about filling in a lot of blanks and getting a lot of things done. And Daniel Webster said it's, it's like filling a bucket. But what your obligation is to, to create a love for learning in your children. If you create a love for learning and growing in your children, if you fan their flame, like Daniel Webster said, the way education should be, your job will get so much easier because getting buy-in from your children on this idea of home educating and grooming them for success 
is only going to happen if they have A, a love for learning, B, a desire to have an incredible life, and C, feel like they're having fun. Now, you know, I've talked to parents whose children are in school and they hear me say, it needs to be fun. It needs to be exciting. And they're like, no, school doesn't need to be fun. You just need to get it done. And like, you know, school wasn't always fun for me. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't know. I built my priorities and the way that I approached home educating by the way that I made my first million dollars. See, I was a single mom living on $5,000 a year back in the 80s. And when I started my very first business in the early to mid 90s, I did not know that I was going to make a million dollars by my second year. But I learned an awful lot about myself and my approach to business and how I made decisions and how I retained new information and how I processed many different things at the same time, how I built a schedule, how I kept myself energetic, how I stayed on task with things and compliant with what I needed to do in business. And I took all of that and brought it into my home educating. The biggest thing is, is that I would not be doing my business at home if the majority of what I do, I didn't really like what I do because that's why I chose to work for myself. I sure as hell don't want to do something that I hate. Working for a paycheck is not enough for me. It's got to be something that I know has a bigger picture and the process of not only even doing a good job, but disciplining myself and growing as a person and constantly learning is what got me ahead. So my biggest priority was to get my children in an environment where they loved learning. So one of the secrets that I did is I took them down to traditional education that years ago our nation was founded on, where long before the Industrial Revolution and all of these other different things, reading, writing, and arithmetic was the foundation of a good education. Reading, writing, arithmetic were the pillars of everything else. Character development was a pillar of education. So I remember telling my sons, we're going to start out with the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's going to also be my desire that you know above all things that you are loved by God. And I also want you to know that because you understand that love that God has for you, you have an obligation to love your fellow man. That was the foundation of our education. And then I said to them, so when we approach reading, what do you want to read? A lot of times children don't like to read because they're assigned books that they don't have interest in, or they're assigned something that they can't see the end game, like, like where is this getting to because I have to take a test? One of the things I learned as a business owner is there was going to be many things that I had to learn and study that I didn't want to. But I could actually do that if I felt like a lot of the learning that I was doing, I really wanted to, and it excited me. So I would take my kids to the library and tell them to pick out five books on any topic they wanted. I didn't, I didn't care what it was. I really didn't care what it was. I don't care if you want to get three books on art. I don't care. You want to get a book on all the different colors of paint? I, I don't care. You want to get five books on snakes and, and animals that eat other animals or, you know, dissect, whatever. I had boys. What do you want to get? Get five books on any topic you want. And then I said to them, and then I'm going to pick a topic that I'm going to read aloud to you. Something I learned 
when we first started, and it actually gets me a little emotional thinking about it because it was some of the most precious times that I had as a mom was reading aloud to my children. When I would read out loud to them, it's something because it taught them how to listen at a different level and create pictures in their mind. I was grooming their creativity. We would read books that would be, I would read out loud to them books that were above their reading level. And I would bring in, of course, my animation and stuff. And some of the most incredible times was like that. They, even when they were in their early teens and stuff, would love for me to sit down and we would read something together. My boys learned how to speak publicly, how to speak in a group, how to speak to their peers, how to lead an entire room or later an auditorium on the basics of me reading out loud and then having them read out loud. So reading became something way more than just, here's your book, I want 10 pages today and we're having a test on Friday. Stirring up that desire of learning was a big thing. Writing. Now, here's another thing. Some, some children like to do printing, some like cursive. Back when I was homeschooling, home educating, we were still doing cursive. One of the things that I did with my children is I wanted them to learn how to write. And I told them there's a couple things that is going to be important for you when you write. A, it needs to be legible, but B, it doesn't need to be perfect. What I wanted them to do is practice writing in a non-stressful type environment. A lot of times we hand children, you know, pads of paper and ask them to write out stuff and they're practicing letters and all this kind of stuff. Once they got the basics done, one of the ways that I would help them to retain what they were learning was to write points on what they were reading. So our writing actually was attached to what we were doing in reading. I actually, to this day, still read books this way. When I'm studying a book for business, if I'm studying something for a podcast or whatever, I'm writing out, if that sentence grabs me, grabs my attention, I feel an energy shift in me, there's something that I don't want to forget, I always have a journal and I'm writing out the full sentence. I'm circling, I'm underlining, I'm stimulating my brain with the visual aspect, I'm stimulating my brain with the kinesthetic aspect because I'm writing, and I'm stimulating my brain with not only the auditory aspect, when I'm reading out loud. But what's crazy is by bringing writing and reading together, I saw um, penmanship and co um, comprehension and even the ability to tell me what their thoughts were on what they were reading and writing about by bringing that together. Arithmetic was one of those things that I had to work with the wiggle. <laughs> Boys wiggle. They wiggle, they make all kinds of noises starting at very young ages. <laughs> they like to make noises. Nothing's more exciting than, you know, farts and <laughs> making noises about cars and anything they can think of and even finding animals that make noises. So working with the wiggle, um, one of the things that I you know, first discovered was that we were using a traditional curriculum that I had pieced together, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But when it came to doing arithmetic, there might be like 40 problems in front of us. And I'm thinking to myself, this is typically for when you have a classroom full of children. When it's just your child, there's no need for them to do 
you know, 20, 30, 40 problems. Now, in the situation you're in right now, I don't know whether or not the teachers are requiring you to turn it in. Some of you may want to rethink whether you are doing home educating with your local school district or are you going to go like I did, autonomous. One of the things that's happening with COVID is that the local school district is requiring that the days and times that you typically would do school be done in your home. I'll tell you, as a person who homeschooled successfully, by the way, for over 20 years, the days and times that you do school in a traditional schoolroom is not going to be even applicable in your home because you only have a couple students. So when it came to arithmetic, a lot of times I'd have my kids, we'd do all the, the even problems on Monday. We'd do all the odd problems on Tuesday. Um, we might go outside and do them on Thursday. We had set days when we did specific subjects. When you first start schooling at home, it's like completely freaking overwhelming. You're like, like, oh my God, how does my child do all of this at school? I've always been fascinated with the fact that children are gone, you know, four, five, six, seven hours a day, and then they come home with two hours of homework. I'd be asking the teacher, what the heck did they learn that it's requiring them two hours more of homework? In a home educating environment, you can literally get done a lot of K through eight, eighth grade in two to three hours a day. And really going into high school, you may go up to three or four or five hours a day, but by the time my children are in ninth grade, they were already doing some form of online work. They were doing, they were either working for my client care team at a real change. They were taking graphics design classes. They were taking videotography classes. They had photography. They were doing videos. They were doing music. They were doing um, editing. They were doing all kinds of creative work and even being paid for a lot of it. So when it comes to a classroom structure, some of you might want to consider whether or not you're going to do this long term, even if you're just going to do it for a year or two, to go autonomous. Now, it has been, it's been, let me see, probably seven years, eight years since I've homeschooled and graduated my last one. And back when I first started homeschooling, it was illegal. <laughs> yeah, that's when back in Michigan, they would threaten to put you in prison if you were homeschooling your children. Well, I decided to walk in my God-given rights, despite what my state said and did homeschool anyway. I homeschooled in the day when we didn't go walk through Walmart in the middle of the afternoon when the rest of the children were in school. We didn't attract any attention to ourselves, And I pretty much was autonomous in what I did. By the time my middle son was in probably fourth or fifth grade, it became illegal in Michigan. And the laws in Michigan for home educating were a little different than in a typical environment. So I would encourage you to check what your state laws are now that we're dealing in a pandemic and whether or not you're going to be schooling under the umbrella of your local school district. Are you going to be going via charter school? Are you going via some other accountability system online or are you going autonomous? I was strictly autonomous all of the years that I home educated. And I think the, the number one thing that drove that desire in me was that I had completely transformed my life from being a single mom living on $5,000 a year to making my first million and went to $4 million by my third year 
and was learning so much as a business owner that I made a, a big intention to groom my children for success. That did not mean that I, I wanted them to all be business owners, but I wanted them to be hugely successful with what they've been given. And I wanted them to enjoy their life when they grew up. So making some of these decisions for what you'll do for your family, I think is going to be really important. There's online school that you can do if you're, you know, really overwhelmed or if you've got little ones, you know, if you're, you're, you've got a, a little one in diapers and you've got a high school or whatever, having some online schooling right now and figuring out what you're going to do six months to a year from now is totally okay. Like I said, you don't have to have it all figured out. A lot of what I figured out was more in the midst of doing it which is kind of how I do most things. I figure out a lot of things midstream. I get a pretty much a big picture of where I'm going and I figure it out as I go. Some of you, however, are wired with detail to big picture. And you find the big picture as you get there, but you structure yourself according to the detail. If that is the way that you're wired, I would encourage you to either do some sort of online umbrella type schooling or simply work with your local school district because there's a lot of teachers that are working virtually in that way. When I built my curriculum, uh, there was homeschool legal defense. You might want to look up. There were many book distributors online that I could order any curriculum from almost any publisher. Um, some of the like McGraw Hill and the more secular type publishers back then, I think now you can order them, weren't necessarily selling to homeschoolers, but there were even some Christian book companies that had some secular type publishing um, curriculums that we could buy. So I kind of piecemealed my curriculum together. We used a lot of Saxon math, which is still really popular and one of the best math programs. There was also, also Dive Into Math, which was a scientist turned homeschool dad that I recently looked up. He's still doing it and created um, video curriculum to go with Saxon Math to the point that my children, by the time they were in like third grade, could sit down and be taught in that environment and then start their work. And then we would talk about what they were doing midstream. And by fourth and fifth grade, I had them correcting their own work. One of the things that I learned as a home educator, and I also do it in my business, is the process of correcting your own work. When you do your schoolwork, and then you have someone correct it, typically they don't walk through every single thing that you did wrong with you. Some might if you have smaller classrooms, but not in a typical setting. When a child is going through their work and they see where they did it wrong, the process of retention and correction is almost instantaneous. If you're grading their work and then talking to them about it a couple of days ago, there's still retention there, but I used to have them correct it right when they were done. They would be doing their work. They'd come over to my work desk, get the teacher's manual after I saw that they did everything, of course, and then correct their own work. And then we would work from there. Even um, things like spelling and proper writing, et cetera, was done through a lot of the reading. The more that I saw that they were reading, the more that they were writing, they got better and better at spelling. The other thing that's pretty cool is that spell check on a phone has been proven 
to help those who tend to misspell words to correct it because of what I just said. It corrects it instantly, blueprints the correction into the brain, and it helps with spelling. It's, it's really a fascinating study if you ever want to look up on it. Another approach that we did was what I'm going to call unschooling. My unschooling, however, was really one of my own little hybrid type things that I was known for constantly creating. And that is that I would have reading, writing, and arithmetic as our focus. And then unschooling, meaning I had my child, my job was to stir them up in their learning and and bring opportunity for them to learn and eliminate. Like I said to them, if the sky's the limit, what is one thing you'd love to learn this year? My oldest, Jeremy, when he was 11, he said, I want to learn how to use a video camera and then how to put them on the, on the computer and even edit them. Well, the, by the time he was 14, he was editing some fellow internet marketers' videos. By the time he was 15, he was making $500 a week doing graphics and editing. By the time he was 16, he was making over $20,000 a year. By the time he was 17, he was, when he graduated, he was making almost a six-figure income. And that desire grew out of, oh, I really want a video camera. And so my unschooling approach was trying to figure out what they really loved and what they really desired. And I can tell you in my experience, the things that my son showed me an interest in that they really loved, whether it was sports or music or anything, they still really love. When we approached music, it, that was kind of fun because my oldest had a keyboard. We had an Alesis keyboard, which was really cool. Um, it's a keyboard that actually has the touch sensitivity. So it actually feels like a grand piano. Cool thing is I was running my own company alongside of this. So I could afford some of these toys that I wanted to give my children. Justin was into guitar and Bobby was into drums. And so I had my own little band that was growing at home. But a lot of that came out of not, okay, we're going to do music and we have to get this many hours of music done. I could not stop them from playing music. There were times when they would say to me, mom, if I promise to do my this, that, and the other thing that they had to sign that day and get it done by three. Can I please play my guitar all morning? Sure. Because what was something is when I would let them play their music in the morning, it's wild how they had more energy to do the schoolwork or they were willing to do it because they really got to do what they loved. And that stirred up in them a desire to keep investing into the things that they like, to keep investing into the things that drive them. They all got into music producing and mixing. Bobby actually owns his own production company now. And it was really something, The Justin and Bobby, Jeremy had moved out by this time, were in a, we were at a church where there was a couple thousand people and they had, had a policy of never bringing um, someone who was under 18 onto the platform to pay, play in the worship band. Well, the Krakowski boys, they called them the Crack Brothers, <laughs> were playing and leading worship at church when they were 14 and 15 years old. And I think a lot of that happened. They said to me, the leader said to me, well, they're very mature. They are very independent, but they follow directions very well. They're accountable. 
And they also follow through on the things that we ask them because there had to be lots of practice and stuff. And I like to think that that did not necessarily come out so much because I was an expert at home educating, but I was really good at grooming them on what it would take to actually succeed later in life. I wasn't building a third grade foundation. I wasn't focusing on we've got to get the fourth grade curriculum done. My goal was to always work all of the different grades that we were as a, prime, as a foundational basis for what was going to be expected of them later in life. And even to this day, it's been fun to see. We did a recent uh, interview with my, my baby, who's now in his mid-20s, Bobby. This is Bobby right here. If you guys are on YouTube, you can see. Um, where he actually started his own production company and a lot of what he learned, not only watching me build businesses at home, but the way I had groomed him on how to govern himself and how to take time to play, but also how to get the stuff done that he needed to, how to regroup when you get way off track, um, how to know when pushing further is not going to help you. What we would need to do is play for a day because we're all burnt out. That foundation helped him to start his own business. So. The keys that I would give you in running your own company and home educating is set a schedule. And set a schedule that's realistic, not idealistic. (laughs) This is not the time to build up, you know, we're going to prove we're a really great homeschool family and my kids are going to be the best. And when they finally go back into school, just drop all that crap. Set a schedule that's going to work for you. If you know that your children are going to do better by staying on track with the morning schedule. I don't recommend you go into afternoon schooling unless, of course, you've got teenagers. I did have one child that I will say did night school quite a bit. That was Bobby. (laughs) But set a schedule and set the schedule so that within it, they also have time to play and be children. So for example, we would get up, breakfast would be at a certain time. I got everybody involved in everything. This is what you're going to do. You're going to do that part in the morning. This is what you're going to do for laundry. I wasn't going to be like, you know, the home slave and everybody's just sitting around eating breakfast and mommy's waiting and everybody. No, everything we did was done as a team. Everything. Cleaning the house, doing the laundry, getting school done. We want to take a half day and go to the zoo. Cool. We got to get all this done early. And so we set a schedule like that. I also would put out the schedule kind of like a teacher would, and I'd have six months in front of me, and I would circle when we're taking off. Because initially, it's going to feel like, oh my gosh, we just have to get this into a set schedule. And before you know it, you're going to forget time off, time to restore, time to play. Don't rob your children of their childhood by trying to be a perfect home educating parent. So set a schedule that you know you can stick to And initially, I would recommend you start with two to three hours a day, five days a week. You might want to do, we later went to three to four hours a day, four days a week, and always took Fridays off. Um, Learn to work with the wiggle. I had a son who learned his times tables by going up and down the stairway. He was also the same one who would take his math workbook, like practically hanging upside down in a chair, doing it. And he now runs his own music production company. So, you know, he it, it didn't destroy him. <laughs> it didn't hold him back. I was learning to work with the wiggle. There was a certain aspect of expecting him to sit still and whatever. But I also knew that young boys have a lot of energy and that tends to mellow out at a certain age when they're teenagers and to constantly tell them to sit still and sit still and sit still is honestly the atrocity 
capacity that typical schooling does. And unfortunately, it's why so many young boys are medicated. Little boys were not meant to be constantly sitting still. And so you have to learn with the wiggle while also teaching them great manners. <laughs> the next thing we did is we worked in one hour bites. This is kind of how I even work in my company. If I'm going to do an email campaign or a marketing campaign, I'm going to set a timer for an hour, an hour and a half. I'm going to put do not disturb on my phone. Everything shut down, social media shut down, and it's full on for an hour and a half. I put a self-imposed constraint is what I tell my students. And then at the end of that hour and a half is when we're going to take a break. Everything reverses. You can go back on social media, the phone turns on, whatever you want to do. We had a rule in my house, however, during our days of schooling that the television did not go on before 4 p.m. Um, if they wanted to, we worked for an hour and then I said, okay, you got an hour to do whatever you want, but you got to do it outside. So I got my children used to doing stuff outside. The majority of the time when I was home educating them, we were on a couple acres. So they were always doing something outside. They were always building something, creating something, doing something. And I would set a timer and they learned that when that timer goes off, you better be in your seat <laughs> or <laughs> you might be in trouble. Um, Working in little bites like that also made it better than working two to three hours all the way together, especially with little ones. But the older that they got, a lot of times they would check in with me. They'd go work for an hour or two. We'd have, you know, an afternoon coffee together. We might go to a coffee shop, come back, do another hour, and then we were done. I did a lot of my work during the bites when they were doing a lot of their other work um, that we set that apart. When my children were little, I did a lot of the logistics in my business, a lot of the marketing, if you will, and the paperwork and, you know, QuickBooks and all that kind of stuff that I needed to do the minutia, if you will, in the business when they were sleeping. So one of the things that I did was when they went to bed, I did some of that. And then I got up earlier than they did. I know a lot of moms are going to say, yeah, but I need my sleep. I think needing sleep is important, but I also know that if a mom can have even an hour all to herself in the morning. Even if your children get up, but you have an agreement with them, I'm going outside for an hour and you're not allowed to interrupt unless the house is burning. If you have that hour all to yourself, whatever you want to do with it, you read, you can do something, you can work out, you can talk to God, whatever you want to do. It's amazing how much better you'll feel about everything. One of the biggest mistakes I made as a young mom was not doing that. It wasn't until I pretty much felt like I was going to pull my freaking hair out <laughs> or get on the bus and go away <laughs> from my homeschool that I later realized it's going to be critically important for me to have that time. And that's really when I, I really got very strict on getting up early, teaching my children to then correct their own work and different things like that as well worked with that because sometimes they'd be up and I'd say to them, okay, I've got everything mapped out for you and what we're going to do. You write in there some of the things you want to do, and then I'll meet with you in an hour. So a lot of times they use that hour time too when they were, you know, over nine, 10 years old to do some of the things they wanted to do. And the last thing I want to say to you is that I made a hell of a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I made mistakes in my business. I made mistakes in how I parented. I made mistakes in home educating. And I think one of the things that parents don't get to see, and if you're a teacher and you're hearing this, 
I just want to thank you for all that you've done to help parents and to pour into children and to do your best to educate children and groom them for success. A lot of times parents don't get to hear where teachers made mistakes, where in the reality of schooling children, there's mistakes. There's things that happen that you didn't plan for. Don't isolate your children from that. If we try to create an overly perfect environment for our children, we are not grooming them for real success. We're not grooming them for difficulty. We're not grooming them for stress. And we're definitely not grooming them for growth. Part of the growth in the home educating environment that I had that I know was very conducive to who they are as men now is that they were, they were involved in everything. They saw the bills that came in. I didn't isolate them from things. We would even have little team meetings and how we're going to fix something together. And I, I created my own little solutions team. And that is today what they're known for. All three of my sons, people who've worked with them, people who know them constantly tell me, your boys are the first ones to volunteer help. They're the first ones to come up with a solution. They're the first ones to speak encouragement and say, hey, it's not a big deal. Let's work through this. And I know it's because they saw real life while they were being home educated. I'm going to continue on this topic of homeschooling, home educating, and working at home. I'd love to be able to help with some of your challenges that you have, some of the questions you have, things you're working through. I definitely don't have all the answers, but I, I have over 20 years experience in home educating my children and over 26 years in business. The best way to get a hold of me is through direct message on Instagram. You can also send an email through my Instagram business page. It'll go directly to me. Remember, as you're grooming your children and during this difficult time where the stress levels are at an all-time high, remember to just give yourself grace. These are not little adults trying to process going through a pandemic and being at home with mom and dad. These are little, these are children. So give them grace. Give yourself grace. Perfection is way overrated. And by all means, have fun, break the rules, and do what works for you. I'll talk to you guys soon.